What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Dogs Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a great holiday, I guess. There was no golf. We haven't had golf in about what feels like about, what, six weeks officially. Um, I know there were some quote-unquote gimmicky tournaments there around uh, around the holidays, but hopefully everybody had a, a merry whatever they celebrate, whether it be you know Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, anything else I may have missed. Uh, but Jack, welcome back to golf. We got it this week. Yeah, happy new year. All right. Um, so let's just kind of start off. Uh, we are officially less than 100 days from the Masters. So it begins. You know, we only got 100 more days or about 100 days of uh, Jack talking about Tiger Woods. And then we'll be there. Um, a couple updates just to kind of get, keep you guys in the loop. Uh, John Rahm is going to live, which uh, is great. You haven't heard that. Yeah. I mean, Turn on Twitter. Yeah, it's great for him. Everybody's talking about it. It's whatever. Um, also, Harold Varner the third got arrested for uh, looks like intoxication behind the wheel. That's kind of vague, but that they didn't really go into too much more detail beyond that, and that's fine. Um, so, just some interesting updates on the live front. Uh, clearly, with Rom going to live, it kind of shows that golf is changing. Uh, so, I guess we kind of got to get hop on board there, or get left behind, because uh, now that more guys are going to live, it's going to be really interesting to see how this changes in the future. So we'll just kind of keep that in mind as we see more and more big names probably inevitably go to live, either fortunately or unfortunately, depending on who you ask. So. Yeah, especially with the uh, PIF deal kind of getting delayed. You see yeah. stuff like that. There is um, a lot of criticism along with the fan side, which I wholeheartedly agree with. It's taking the focus outside of the golf course and onto politics and all this stuff and Unfortunately, I think it's hurting the game of golf. Phil Mickelson put out an update that said that if everybody remains patient, the things that the PGA Tour and Live and all these funds are doing looks to bring golf together and looks to be really, really good for the game. Uh, but that looks to be, I think they said um, the deadline for that was pushed back to the Masters. So we might have 100 days before we see a, a good field like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, that that's the scare. I think it's going to be at least a few months here of, of it getting a little worse until, uh, well, the worst, depending on, who, again, who you are, then before it gets better. But, uh, yeah, I guess those are some big updates. But before we get into the tournament this week, Jack, let's, uh, let's just take a little bit of a look. Now that Century is kind of the start of everything, do you have any guys that you're looking into that have the potential to either break out onto the PGA tour or maybe who are on the tour that had the opportunity to move up. I know a lot of times in the past, people talked about like Homa or like Scotty Scheffler before he won, you know, a couple years ago. Again, these are guys now that are pretty well known, but they kind of came up through the rankings in order to do that. Yeah. So I'll say a couple guys. And I know of some people that you want to talk about. And when I say guys that to watch out for, like you had mentioned, not going to be a Scotty, not going to be a Ludwig Auberg, not going to be a Tom Cam. These guys that have just proven time and time again, these are guys that maybe look forward to top 40 placement, wild card at the bottom of a DraftKings fan duel. A um, couple guys we talk about, Nikolai Hoyard and his brother have always been tremendous. You're making Ryder Cup fields. You're dominating on the DP World Tour, finished second in the race to Dubai. When you take a look at his average DFS at the end of last year, he was still in the 7Ks. Um, and I think if he comes into this year, he's going to be in a lot of DFS lineups. He's tremendous. He looks up to a lot of guys and that experience in the Ryder Cup is going to be tremendous. Um, you know, a guy that I was high on and you'll touch on a little bit. My guy, Gordon Sargent, which you followed along with me in the Masters, you raked in almost 10 times your money. So you're welcome for that. If you watch any sort of college golf, which you should, um, or any sort of DP World Tour, Christo Lamprecht, he is six foot eight tall, number one amateur in the world at Georgia Tech. Um, he's going to be at the open again this year. He dominated. He's just a beast and his swing speed is just off the fricking chart. Um, especially for a guy that's six, eight, um, a couple guys from Zozo, Rio Hisasune, Kita Nakajima, great iron players, which are really cool. Um, and then two guys that I'll name, which are really, really young that you may see on like a Barracuda or a Bermuda, or if you bet on the PGA tour, you, Miles Russell, who's 15 years old. Don't okay. be surprised if you see him. Um, he won both the junior PGA championship and the junior players and the AJGA Rolex player of the year. By the way, just for the record, Liam threw this topic on me five minutes before we recorded. So I have <laughs> absolutely zero research. This is a back roller. But 
he was on the um, Walker Cup team and finished second to Cupper Ben. Um, also, probably a guy you should walk out, watch out for. Um, and then last but not least, um, outside of like a Preston Summerhays, which you've probably seen on Twitter, uh, Blades Brown. Random name, awesome okay. name for golf. Should be a skater, in my opinion, or a hockey yeah. player. But he's co-medalist in the USAM. He actually broke Bobby Jones. I think it was like a 103, 105-year-old record for the youngest medalist in uh, U.S. history. Um, Tennessee kid, I think he's an eighth grader right now. He's 16 years old. Um, so I think he's going to go that college route, play one or two years. And that's where that PGA Tour U comes in, guys to watch out for. So those are some guys that um, hopefully I didn't just break your brain. No, 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 you're good. I'm going to mention a couple of names. Again, uh, a few guys that graduated college here in the last year or two. Um, Jack mentioned Gordon Sargent. I won't get into too much detail, but you you saw him in the Masters. He was pretty good. Um, you can lose like Shakira. Woo. Yeah, exactly. Sam Bennett, uh, similar similar model, did pretty well at the, the Masters, so he's got a chance. Uh, there's also Fred Biondi, who was the NCAA champion, what is that, a year ago now? Um, so, so all three of those guys are pretty good. Um, a guy that might fit Jack's timeline that he might've forgot about is Michael Thorne Bjornsson. Um, he's only, no, I didn't what, forget. You told me the five names did not say, uh, that's fair. Um, I want to say he's what? 22? He's 22 pretty young. Stanford senior. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I have a gut feeling he's somebody that was on tour a little bit last year. Um, but I expect to see him more at the bottom of of uh, DK lineups coming up here this year. And, and hopefully he can be my, my Zach Johnson of this year, just continually riding um, all of my lineups. Um, another guy I'll mention is Adrian Dumont de, de Chesseret. So he's the number three player on the PGA tour used class of 2023. Um, he's really up and coming again. He's that like 16, 17, 18 year old style. Uh, so he's got a couple years ahead of him before he really breaks off onto the tour. Well, he's breaking uh, off on the Corn Ferry Tour. Well, he is on the Corn Ferry Tour now, but again, he's got a he just won he just won, I think, one of his first events. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. That's right. Yeah, I know you had um you'll have to correct me if this is way off, but I remember seeing him on at least the final page of the leaderboard and some corn fairies I was watching last year. Yeah, it, yeah. He's only played in a couple of events. So maybe at the oh. end of last year, he, he he played one or two and he found a leaderboard there. I, I'll, I'll do more research into it. Um, and last name I'll mention just again, because I want to see him do well. Uh, standing at 5'9", 200 pounds, 24 years old out of Eastern Michigan University, Cougar Collins. Cougar, if you're listening, we would love to have you on. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. What a man. What a man. I, I would love to have him on the podcast. I would, I would talk, I would talk golf with Cougar College all day. And then I would ask him about his name and how, you know, how his parents decided to come up with it. All the details. It'd be great. Um, yeah. So that's just a couple guys to look out for. Um, you know, obviously like Akshay Bhatia, but yes. if you follow golf, you probably, uh, let me rephrase that. If you follow golf, like I do, you've known him since he was like 18 years old. Yep. If you're like Liam and you're, Again, this isn't a shot, so don't take more it as casual, a shot. More casual, more casual, yeah. More of a casual viewer. You probably know him over last year. Um, guys like Tom Kim, you don't realize, are 21 years old. Yeah. Like, that guy's going to be sticking leaderboards for the next 15, 20 years. Um, so I mean, you, technically, Auburn counts because he's so young, but, like, he's pretty well cemented on tour already at this point. He's already won a PGA Tour event. I, I, I think between you and I, we wouldn't consider him up and coming. We think he's pretty well pretty well set now, at least into the, the Tom Kim style of where he's at. Yeah. And then actually one more guy, I was actually listening to an interview of Rory McIlroy and some guys that he's excited for. There's a guy, his name's like Tom McKibben. He's Irish. He actually there was at the go. same club. Oh, you know who I'm talking about? He's I recognize the, the name. Yeah. I didn't, McLevin, I didn't dig, I didn't know enough in them. McLevin, so something like that. He, uh, they had an interview. He's from the same club that Rory was, um, in as a child. And apparently he's projected to make, Walker Cups. He's projected to make uh, junior European teams. I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, some junior tour. It's like Audi Open or something like that. Apparently, yeah. he's supposed to kill it. But there you go. I don't know. You watch DP World Tour. Look out for that guy. There you go. Um, and then last thing here before we head into the century, uh, let's just kind of recap where we're at on bets since the this season is officially starting. You know, maybe you've been watching football for the last 17 weeks, and now you're finally getting into the golf betting scene. Um, I am currently up 3.94 units. I'm at the hero a couple weeks ago. I went one for two, um, with a nice little parlay of, 
um, Nick Taylor and Joel, Tom, Joel Dahman and both of their pairs uh, to be top 10 at plus 130. So, so far, so good. I'm about four units. I think last year at this time, I was down about 15. Um, so we got about a 19, 19, uh, 19 unit swing, which is great. That's what we like to see. Yep. I'm in the uh, pretty similar boat as last year. Coming into the new year, I am up 14.28 units. Okay. Um, funny enough that the last three weeks of golf, or excuse me, outside of the RSM, the last two weeks of golf, I'm actually down 0.33 units. Um, I know it's down. Luckily, if you followed along RSM, we went up 6.36. That was good. Um, I said our goal at the end of this is to be 100 units up. We almost got there last year. Um, So take some picks. You never know. Almost 15 going into the new year, which means we have almost seven months of golf. So it's going to be great. Um, All right. So with that, let's let's dig right into the century. Uh, Please don't call it the century tournament of champions. It is no longer referred to as that. Um, That is it. I know. Yeah. Jack and I don't love that. But unfortunately, they uh they adjusted it, so now the top 50 guys on tour are also going into the field. Um, so it's not the Tournament of Champions. It's now just the Century. Um, some quick details on the course. It is a par 73, totaling 7,595 yards. Um, you might hear that yardage and get a little scared. Just know it doesn't really play that long. Uh, last year's winner is John Rahm. Um, good chance he won't win this year. I've got my money on it. Um so this year in the field, there's 59 golfers, which is the biggest field size ever for this event. They rebranded it to add in the top 50 golfers on the OWGR. Um, so it's got basically winners from last year and then those that didn't win but are top 50 in the OWGR. There, that's a good way to describe it. Uh, when it comes to this course, the fairways and greens are massive. The joke is that you could land a jumbo jet on them. Although the distance is long at 7,600 yards, the course record is actually held by KJ Choi, um, who is not oh. really. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. You're a Tiger uh, fan, you understand that. Yes. Uh, let's just say that KJ Choi isn't exactly known for hitting a long golf ball. Uh, so that means that you don't need to be like Brandon Matthews to necessarily succeed here. Oh, yeah, because Brandon Matthews is the staple for success. <laughs> no, when he hits the ball like 400 yards, that's what I'm going for there. Don't, Shout out don't Brandon Matthews. Out of All right, we can continue into more of this. I guess here's what I'll say off the, off the rip more than anything else. Uh, when looking into DraftKings and FanDuel, don't be afraid to look at the difference in price points between golfers on those sites. Like, I'll say, for example, Ludwig Auberg is the 14th-ranked golfer in terms of price on DraftKings. He's third. He's ranked third in terms of FanDuel for price. So it, there's going to be a lot of differences, especially these first few weeks when these guys don't have all their numbers locked in. So don't be afraid to be like, oh, well, like he's really cheap in here, and I think this could be better value. So maybe I'll just play him in this, you know, this site as opposed to both. Um, it just gives you a couple different options, but also might be better for bets that way too. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you take a look at a lot of DFS versus placement on bets. A lot of numbers come into play that normally don't. We could do an episode on that later down the line. I don't want to take anybody's time up with some boring information, uh, but that's something definitely to call out because you take a look at what you said, like um, the, the pronunciation that the European tour guys stole it. Even it's like, oh, bear. I'm calling him Aubrey. Screw it. But um, yeah, he's like 10th on the the winning odds, but like you said, third on DP or DFS. Yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting. Yeah. You could also look at winner winners odds versus uh, where they're at in the field as well. Um, all right, Jack, do you want to jump right into the, uh, to the DraftKings uh, price points? Yes, please. Let's do it. Um, at formally let's loop in the 10 guys. Technically it was four. Rory did withdraw. So it's down to three Scotty, Victor Hovland, who should be the number one player in the world. Um, and then Xander Shoffley at 10,000. Yeah, um, I, I think this field is going to be very interesting. Um, so there's a few a few things to look into here. Uh, Victor Hovland has the third worst putting stats on this course. He's also never finished greater than T18 here, which you might be like, T18 is not that good. But like this, co- this course used to only have 39 guys in the field. So he's never been that's on the cut. Yeah, he's basically never been top half. Um, don't get me wrong. When you look at his metrics, he fits the course pretty well, but I think if you're looking in terms of, of, of 
minuscule differences at this top tier. Um, the way he just is set up here just doesn't fit well with Xander and Scotty. Um, Xander is absolutely. Sp- oh, sorry. Let me just cut you off on Victor Holland because I know what we're saying is very outrageous. The fact that I just said arguably that or should be the number one player in the world and then on the opposite side, don't take him. We're not saying that he doesn't have the capability to go out and win this by 20 shots. It's just taking a look at DFS when Scotty is $600 more and Xander Shoffley is $500 less. It's taking a look at those minuscule details to decide what is maybe a safer option for this such high of a price range that we have to try and do some eliminator. So when Liam says Victor Hovland may not be the best bet for this one, he's saying more so that Xander Shoffley and Scotty Scheffler statistically have a better matchup for this course. Exactly. Thank you. Um, all right. So Scotty Scheffler is still elite and he's depending on who you ask, he's at least partially found his putter, um, which could be very interesting this week. Um, it's, it's, it, it might not be fully back, but it's definitely better than it's been. Um, especially in that like really rough, not rough streaks. Again, he was still playing well, but rough in terms of putting streak he had last year. Um, he's, he's putting arguably better than that, especially on a per round basis. Um, so I think Scotty, other than that, obviously he's a great option here. I think he's probably going to finish top five. No problem. Yeah. The thing about Scotty that is always so funny to me, um, you watch him at the hero where he started off horrifically and then yep. he come back and won it by two or three, which was awesome. Good for him at this course. He has not broken top 10 yet. So you take a look at the odds on DFS and the odds on him to win it are pretty ridiculous. Um, so DFS, you're definitely going to get your money's worth on placement points, birdie, bogey avoidance. Um, but maybe down the line of bets, you might want to avoid Scotty Scheffler, which is something I didn't think I would say to start the new year. I didn't look at, but I think he's only played here. What? Twice. Twice. He's got 13 and seven. Or no, sorry. My notes say T seven. I read that as 17th. Oh, okay. All right. That I was going to say, I thought he did pretty well last year, but that might've been two years ago too. I'm writing on a whiteboard. My bad. Ah, ah, there you go. That would do it. Um, no. So I think Scotty, again, he's a very viable option. He is the most expensive. I think it's very valid if you get to it. Um, the biggest challenge with picking Scotty is that you're going to have to pick five other guys and still make the price points work to not have to dig into the, I mean, I'll give it away, like the Camilo Vijegas's or Nick Hardy's of the world down in 6K. Shout out Nick Hardy. Let's go. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, Xander Shoffley. Uh, so he actually, I, I technically lied when I said KJ Choi held the course record. Um, Xander is tied with KJ Choi um, with the course record here. But again, KJ Choi kind of put the, the point across a little bit more in terms of driving distance. Um, Xander, I want to say, is four top tens here in his last six appearances. And technically, the best draw. Yeah, the one of those one of those misses was the withdraw last year. Um, so he is quite good here. Otherwise, he has won here in the past. And honestly, he's got the gameplay to be really good on a course like this. When you look at his metrics on this course, he rates out perfectly. Maybe maybe second or third overall, but like he wants everything like or you want everything he has for this course. Yeah, it's a it's a bold statement for me to say. But I think if Xander Shoffley is all cylinders firing, he may be the best player in this field by three adjusted shots. Yep. Just the way he sets up for this course and the iron play he has, I think it's tremendous. So if he gets it fired on all cylinders like you talked about, just watch out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Can we agree then that the order should probably go Xander, Scotty, Hovland? Yes, I 100% agree. No complaints. All right, there we go. So I guess that tells you that at 10K, we love his price point even more so. Um, all right, into the 9K range we go. We're starting up top, Patrick Cantlay, all the way down to Tommy Fleetwood at 9,000. Yeah, so let me just start off by saying Patrick Cantlay, hero of the Ryder Cup. Um, he was awesome, tip of the cap, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, he looks incredible, and if he can get, like you know, like you talked about, you don't have to be the longest hitter. You don't have to be the most accurate. I think if he can get himself where he's above average in fairway and green and regulations, his putter is going to get him into a spot where he finishes on the leaderboard or close to on Sunday, which in turn will get you some DFS points, bogey avoidance percentage points, birdie points. Um, and I think that he's getting into a little bit of a high gear. Usually it's about the fall. I think he's kind of trying to open up with a nice spring season here. And I, I'm very excited, which is weird to say. Um, in terms of Patrick Cantlay, I'm very excited to watch him this year. I think he might be player of the year. 
I my only my only concern again. I agree. I think he's gonna play. He's gonna play well. It's gonna be fine. He hasn't really played much, so that's that's the only like gripe you could par- argue on Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. I know, I know that nobody has played much because everybody took like six weeks off more or less. But which is why we lost the Ryder Cup hot take. <clears throat> well, probably yeah, probably. Let's let's not kid ourselves there. Um, but specifically with Cantlay, he didn't even really play in the fall swing either. So. No, he's he's probably the coldest of anybody in terms of of professional tournaments over the last, what, four, four and a half months. Um, and you could argue that that goes against him. But again, if he fits in your field or in your price points of what you're looking for, I totally get it. Yeah. And then I'll listen one more guy, because I know you have a guy that you're dying to talk about and bring some stats in. 100%. But my last guy, Max Homa, um, yep. he he looks solid this year i know he's only played the hero in the fortinet and he played in obviously the dp world tour where he won immense confidence i know um statistically looking at what he's done over the last couple years he just continues to improve even in majors this year our one gripe was majors no he didn't win any but he's continuing to improve last year he finished i was it like top five tied for third or something like that and he's got t5 t5 yeah six straight top tens worldwide I think that this is a good course that sets him up, just like how we talked about Cantlay. If he's above average in fairway and above average in greens, which he already is, he's a really good putter, and that's going to separate those percentage points in DFS. Yeah, with with such large fairways in here, I mean, there are guys that might not miss a fairway the entire round. Um, so it really turns into a putting contest with, this, with the size of the greens. A guy like Homa can easily put on these Bermuda greens. It makes complete sense to go to him at this point if you can fit him in your lineup at that range. Um, the guy I will mention, 9,100, Colin Morikawa. Uh, it's the it's the irons, really. that They tell you everything you have to know. Um, the, again, with these this course having such giant greens, you want somebody that can hit the ball to within 10 feet of the hole. And nobody does that better than Colin Moore. Well, our, depending on who you ask, he's like one of maybe two or three guys on tour they could put it within 10 feet of the hole almost every time. And so I think that is going to be great for him, especially in terms of avoiding three putts. Which and is, after coming off a Zozo victory, that's confidence right there. Yes. Um, and last thing I'll say, again, not as important, but still nice. He's played this tournament four times. He's never finished worse than seventh. Um, so even if he's maybe not firing on all cylinders, you're still going to probably get a top 10 from him. Um, which is hilarious. And then again, he had a good chance to win last year if uh, he just didn't let John Rom take it all. Hey, you know what? There's no shame in losing to John Rom, let me tell you. But yeah, everything you said about Colin Morikawa, you watch him. I think at the end of last year, prior to Zozo, there was yep. a little bit of concern about him because it looked like he was falling off. He was dealing with some injuries. He came back rested. He dominated the Zozo. And if he has the irons, even to the 80th percentile of what he normally has, at Kapalua, that is just dominance. So I really like him at that price point. I think if you can sneak him in a lineup, you might be able to go some of the guys in the 10K. And luckily on the lower side of 9K at 9,100 Morikawa. But this field's loaded with goats, so take your poison. Yeah, it's it's going to be incredibly interesting. Now we we missed a couple of the guys in there. I assume that that they're just guys that don't really stick out to you, right? Because yeah, I'll I'll run over really quickly. Wyndham Clark. Um, if you watched him at the Masters in the World Tour, 56, 19th at the Hero, but that 19 with the Hero started off with a ugly 76. He also finished 19 out of 20th and only beat Will Zalatoris, who shot like I think yeah. 11 over one day. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, who looked incredible up until the hero, you know, worst finish on the year is 27th, but that also includes a win and two other top fives. So he's a guy you can target if you really want to. Um, Brian Harmon, just like we t- talked about, you don't necessarily have to be the longest hitter on this course, um, but 44th and 8th is just a little bit risky for me at this price point. Terrell Hatton has looked tremendous outside of the Irish Open, where he finished like a hundredth place. Um, so a little bit of volatility there, and I just haven't seen it yet. And then last but not least, Tommy Fleetwood, who has looked weird. He goes like 58th, 90th, 6th, 2nd, 12th. So some volatility there. Um, all I care about is if he gets his first one on the PGA Tour or a win outside of Africa. Let's be honest. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'll say this. In terms of looking at some of the stats, again, that we talked about before we got into the uh, 
into the tiers here. Uh, Morikawa's odds to win are 12 to 1. Brian Harmon's odds to win are like 55 to 1. Um, so that kind of tells you, again, where some of the, the betting mindset is going to be. I do think Colin Morikawa is going to be extremely popular. I, I'm personally okay with it. Um, again, I think you're pretty much given a top seven. Uh, and at that point, then, I can be the same as everybody else because it's not very likely, then, that I'm going to pick the other six guys that would be in that in that range. So I'm cool with that. But then, again, if you want some value, somebody like a Brian Harmon, somebody like a Fitzpatrick, I, I'd go Fleetwood if you if you liked them here. Then, uh, you know, if you're feeling, feeling the spice, one of those three guys would probably be who would go in this range. All right, into the 8K range we go. Let's do it. All right, starting off up top with Tom Kim at 8,900, all the way down to Hideki Matsuyama at 8,000. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that Tom Kim is in this category. That's the guy, um, number one, that I think is really interesting because he has a win in the fall swing. His yep. worst finish is 18th, and that was in the world tour. Um, coming in, obviously, you said you don't necessarily have to be the longest hitter. Um in I just took a look in last year's Kapalua debut, he led the field in strokes gained, tee to green, par five scoring. What? Did he finish third or fifth last year? Uh, I think it was fifth. Yeah, fifth, fifth. Yeah, uh, but he led the field in strokes gained, tee to green, which is tremendous, and top or par five scoring. Which, if you know, if you live or listen to Tiger talk about how he wins tournaments, par the par threes, par the par fours, birdie the par fives, and you'll win. Um, obviously, defended his victory at Summerlin kind of a, I know it's a stretch because Kapalua is Hawaiian. It's very different, but the, like the smallest comp course in human history, but he's got some confidence um, at this price point. It's actually pretty reasonable for how well he's playing. Um, and especially in the summer swing or the spring swing, which he kind of does well at. Um, yeah. You never know. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kim's a great choice. I totally don't blame him if you want to go there. Um, I, I think probably 50% of all DFS players are going to play Ludwig Aubrey at 80 at 8,700. Um, he's arguably the the hottest golfer in terms of, you know, form in general. He's played, what, eight times already this year, um, and he's played quite well. Um, well, he's also had just had a win at RSM, and he's had a couple other top ten finishes. So he's very much in form. I think he's going to be on top of everyone's interest. I don't dislike him this week. Um, I think he's going to be just fine. But. Again, me personally, I have more cow at 9100. I think he's gonna be popular. I'm probably avoiding Ludwig just in this in the sense that I don't want so much popularity uh, with his name as well. Pause again for anybody that's saying, "What the heck? These guys aren't playing Ludwig Obear again." Obeir. DFS play. If you have a guy that's 50 percent and you don't pick him and say he finishes 42nd, for example, yeah, you just took out 50 percent of players in a DFS head to head. So in exactly. terms of that, again, safe play. He's going to be really popular, especially with a little bit more casual. So depending on what style of play you do, if you're just doing a $10 entry, you're going to get a lot more casuals. Maybe $1, you're going to get a lot more casuals. So Ludwig Albert is going to percentage and grow as the stakes go down. I will say this as well. There has not been a rookie that is one at the century in at least 12 years. Um, so if that tells you again, there, there have been rookies that play well, like last year, Tom Kim was a rookie. He finished T third. Um, and if he finishes T third, he finishes T third and I, and, and I have to deal with that, but I'm okay staying off Ludwig, uh, because again, I think he's gonna be extremely popular. I agree. All right. Um, who else in this range sticks out to you? I know you like the guy at the bottom of the range. Um, I will say Ricky Fowler is one that, that I am kind of staying away from admittedly. Um, he just hasn't really had it so far in this fall swing. Um, he finished 17th out of 20 guys at the Hero. He basically beat, what, Tiger and, and Will Zalatoris and then Wyndham. No, no, nobody, no, nobody too crazy, in my opinion, especially when you're when you're getting Tiger who hasn't played in a little while. And then at the Zozo, he finished T64 at plus seven. He beat, like, eight guys who were on the Japanese tour who haven't really played in the U.S. before. So he hasn't really been clicking on all cylinders. He might play well here, but again, he's somebody I'm comfortable avoiding and seeing him play well first before I decide to uh, to dive in and put him in the lineup. Yeah, uh, there's two guys that I'm really fighting for. Um, one is Hideki Matsuyama. He always dominates here in Hawaii, and I know it's next week, so let me preface, but if you saw his three-wood shot, I think it was two years ago, I mean, just sticking it on 72nd hole to win the tournament with an eagle, that was one of the best shots 
I've ever seen in my life live. He didn't look great at the Zozo. Didn't look great at all. I think he had two over par rounds and like a 77. Yep. Um, at the Ryder Cup, though, or not the Ryder Cup, um, over the course of the end of last year, he looked better and better every single time he played, even with injury report that was basically as long as the dictionary. He had every single part of his body injured. I think playing one event in the Zozo got four competitive rounds under his belt. This is where he's really going to grind down and take everything that he learned and put it together. 8,000 for a guy that dominates on this style of a course outside of one year is really good in my opinion and worth the risk. But the other guy, speaking of risk, Cam Young. Yep. Cam Young. Yep. He is, if you take a look and you break down the mold and you continue to break it down he checks a lot of boxes. He misses a couple, don't get me wrong, but he checks a lot of boxes. And over the course of the last three weeks, again, I know the 15th at Hero is inflated because of the field and whatnot, but he's looked better every single time he's gone out. And I think at this course, he's not going to come out with a quad bogey. I think he's that that's really eliminated, and that's one of the things that he misses on. So I think that he's going to have a lot of birdie opportunities, especially with his driver if he gets that little TSI driver going he's in trouble or he's looking good well and and again large fairways so even if cam young doesn't have his best driving performances exactly. he still he could still probably find the fairway from there other thing about cam young is he does have a new caddy on the bag um he separated from his old caddy his old caddy is now on brendan todd's bag um so cam Young's how funny maybe if they paired those guys up around one That'd be really interesting. I'm here for it personally, but like I don't think they will. I don't think Brendan Todd's a big enough name that they'll they'll care to do something like that. Unfortunately, at least in this field, I should say. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that could be very interesting for Cam Young. Could mean he comes out swinging. Could mean he comes out flat. But that's kind of volatility that I'm looking for in terms of a difference maker when you've got you know two really popular guys in your lineup. So I like that idea from Cam Young. All right, uh, Sam Burns, uh, he didn't play that well. The hero, he hasn't really played otherwise. He looked awful in the Ryder Cup, I want to say. All right, he was in, yeah, he was in Ryder Cup. He played twice, and I think he was awful both days. Yeah, that's popularity contest. We can have that conversation. Well, I think we already did that. It's a, Sam Burns is the American Sepp Straka, um, for those of you oh, who yes. know, you know. Yes, that's, that, is, that is actually a perfect comparison to Sam Burns. Holy crap, okay. Uh, Sung J.M. is is decent, but again, I don't know if he stands out for me in this range. Um, Played well to Zozo, but yep. I'm saving him for April. Yeah, 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 save him for April. Maybe save him for next week at the Sony, depending if he plays there or not. Actually, uh, March. He does pretty well at the players, too. Players as well. There's, there's, there's some other times that I think he's personally a better play than this week. All right, into the 7K range we go. Yeah, some good names, actually. Keegan Bradley, who's played pretty well this year. Again, I know Heroes Inflated. Um, you yep. have Sahith Thagala. You have Eric Cole, who just was popping off the end of last year. You have, um, you know, Nick Taylor, Canadian Open legend, who they changed the logo after, which will be cool. But the one guy, I think, in terms of DFS, is almost a must-go, is Cam Davis. Oh, okay. 12th at the Zozo, 7th at the Shriners, 3rd at the Fortinet. Um, Two World Tour starts um, back in... Oh, actually, that's November last year. I don't know why that's on my stats. Um, But anyway, really good to start the year. Um, He's 28 years old. He really, in his last seven starts, they were all top 15. Wow, hold on. Seven top 15s in his last nine starts. My whiteboard notes are all over the place. Um, One try here in Kapalua, and he finished top 10. So I think with that, if he's really coming into form here, he's a really good guy to look out for. 7,100 with... A guy like that, I think, is worth a fly in a lot of DFS plays. Yeah, I think he is a great alternative if you don't want to go the route of Eric Cole. Which everybody uh, should, too. Which, which, again, if you think Ludwig Auberger is going 50%, I think Eric Cole might be 75%. It, yeah. He could push it. He could Because here's it. the thing. With a lot of casuals, like we talk about, the $1, the $2, the $5, the $10 entries, the casual player is going to go down. They're going to pick a Scotty, a Xander, or a um, Victor Hovland, more than yep. likely Victor Hovland, because they see the name. They see he's dominating. Yep. They're going to go down to the bottom. They're going to pick a guy and then even it out for the next four guys in between. Now, the guy at the bottom is more than likely going to be Eric Cole here. So you're yep. taking a look at a top three and Eric Cole right there. You're probably looking at a 60% lineup spread on those lowers. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to sit there, they're going to click on his name, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, he's finished 4th T3, T2, and T3, and I can get him at 7,400? 100%. Now again, um, as as you know, people that generally listen to golf podcasts know a little more about the betting space, unfortunately, I think he's going to do well this week. So you just kind of have to tag along with all the all the casuals and, 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 and go with it if you want to go that route. Um, otherwise I, again, I would go to, to, uh, to Davis and I would, I would follow Jack's, uh, Jack's play there. Another option. If you just want to be a little different, I don't mind Justin Rose this week. He's got great irons. Um, you know, not Colin Morikawa level irons, but I think Justin Rose is going to avoid three putts and I think he's going to have, have do a good job of sticking close to the pin. Um, so you can very easily get a top 10 from Justin Rose. And again, at 7,600, I'm all aboard that. Um, if you want to get, you know, dangerous and fly by seat of your pants, Seb Straka is there at 7,800. Um, otherwise, Tagala at 7,600, but Tagala doesn't really play this event too great. I think he might uh, this year. Really? You think Tagala might be good this year? I think that, and I'm not a betting man by any means, but yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that Sahith had one bet, has, listen, he had seven really good months of golf. Had 90 days of really bad golf. Yep. Had 90 days of great golf, and one last tournament, which again everybody in betting has recency bias. Uh, but well, was it uh, Technology Worldwide Tech that he finished like almost 100th? And I yep. think we all saw that. We go, oop, pause. And I think a lot of rest for him, a lot of R and R. I think his swing really fits it. He plays that buttercut. He'll get into some spots where he's gonna have an extra club going into greens because obviously it plays that draw. But I think he probably something he's working on um, to really eliminate that. But he's not a he's not a bogey guy, um, so I think if he gets into some spots where he goes out there fires three sixty eights, he's going to put himself in a competition to get some top twenty placement points. I'll, I'll say this: last guy I can last guy I like in the seven k range. If you want a cheaper Seb Straka, or maybe a, a little cheaper Thagala, I really like Kurt Kitayama this week too. Um, he's got great irons for this. He's going to be just fine putting. He's got no problem playing in big events and, and you know, really kind of playing up to the competition because um, he's won plenty of these big events in the past. He finished T16th at the Zozo and shot a 64 on that Saturday. Um, so he's got no problem really playing up to the, up to the competition of it all. I, I, I think he could be a sneaky, like, even if you don't want to bet him to win, I think he'd be a good, like, top 20 option if you wanted to go down that route of a little upgrade. Yeah, and then last guy I'll mention just two seconds. Denny McCarthy only started the year was fifth. Looked yep. tremendous after looking a little bit scary to end the year. Seventy three hundred average fantasy point this year is one hundred and twenty four point five. I know it's inflated, but worth a shot if you're filling out a bunch of lineups. Harris English was the last guy to win this tournament. Who's still who's still playing in the field? So he's at uh, seventy three hundred. Interesting choice, but again, there's some uh, some. It, injury history there that you might have to divulge in it, it it it's it's always a headache watching harris english play especially when he's in your lineup so yeah, I, 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 let's reverse six years ago when he was dominating <laughs> on the Ryder cup and exactly exactly um all right into the 6k range we go yes if you guys want to stick your needle uh, right on your big toe and feel some pain <laughs> this is a scary one there's I'll gonna be some it. recency bias Chris Kirk had a tremendous win. Talk about a buildup of a story about alcohol and drug abuse and how he overcame that, which is awesome. He's looked really scary since that win. So there's going to be some bias there that we'll look out for. Um, Taylor Moore, who won last year, you'll probably see some recency bias there. Guy above him, Benny Ahn. who PED juiced up method, you know, hit the ball a little farther. (laughs) Listen, let me just say. First of all, that suspension should not have been lifted. It should have gone a little bit more, if you ask me. But when he, a couple turns before he got busted, I think you would bet him. And I think he was like almost dead last in every tournament. So scary. Um, But on the higher side, three guys, I'm not going to spend too much time. They're 6,500. You take your flyers. Vincent Norman's worst finish on the year um, outside of one, which is Shriners, which doesn't really fit his mold. Um, 38th, including a win. Um, on the DP World Tour, so he's looking really good. EVR seven for eight, including his last start being a victory. Probably taking some time off. Um, Akshay Vati is going to be super popular. Listen, he's a lefty. He dominates in these coastal courses. Uh, but I also think that last but not least, 
Nick Hardy's not a bad option. Not the best option in the world. 6,100 if you want to top load your lineup. Um, he's made basically every cut since the Fortnite. Um, he's looked pretty good at eliminating those bogeys, which cost him a lot of placement points at the end of last year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I personally love Akshay. Um, again, coastal course, great iron, great off the tee. Putter can be inconsistent, but it's, his best putting surface is Bermuda. Uh, and this week they do play on Bermuda greens. So that's a good that's a good sign for Akshay. What? Hold on. I'm, I, I, I didn't do any research on Luke List. His stats are like for the last four months here look tremendous. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, trust what me, the I'm heck? getting there. Don't worry. All right, good. Because uh, I didn't see this at first. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Hoagie first. 6700. He finished third here last year. Uh, this is kind of the part of the year where all of a sudden, like, you're just about to lose Tom Hoagie, and then he's like, oh yeah, let me go rattle off a couple top five finishes. He'll play well at Pebble Beach. He'll play well at Sony. He'll play well at a couple of these events. And then like the main, you know. Once the Masters comes around, he falls back into oblivion and down to this mid-6K range again. Um, so I like him at 6,700 as an option here this week. Luke List at 6,200. Uh, so there are 25-ish guys that are priced lower than Luke List on FanDuel. On DraftKings, there are five, um, which is crazy. Because, again, on DraftKings, he's 6,200. On FanDuel, he's like 8,400, which I know is is not is it, again it's not apples to oranges because they have different like higher pricing on FanDuel. But even so, like some of the guys that he's above on FanDuel is crazy, and he's not above those guys here on DraftKings. Um, yeah, if you look, I know we don't have a uh, a face episode, but if you saw my jaw drop when you read that stat, I just had to put that in there. Yeah. Uh, don't look at his putting. He's technically the worst putter in the field <laughs> over the last 24 rounds. Um, it's not really pretty, but he's top five in the field on strokes gained off the tee. He finished 11th here last year. I mean, if you're ending your last spot with a guy at 6,200 and he gets you in the realm of like 10th to 20th in the, in this kind of a tournament with, with basically 60 guys, you are vibing, especially if you can get a couple guys up at the top. Um, you know, because at that point, then you're just reliant on Luke, on Luke List to not fall apart for you. I mean, the reality of it is to like the 90th percentile, there's going to be one of the bottom 10 guys that always sneak up into the top 20. That's yep. the reality of it. You just got to find that diamond in the rough. Yeah, I'm taking a couple shots this week, so we'll see. We'll see which guy I find. But let's let's hope we let's hope that both of us have that guy at the end of the day. I love uh, it. All right, let's get into uh, into our lineups here. What are we rocking for for DraftKings? Yeah, a little bit of DraftKings starting off. I did go Scotty Scheffler, even though I talked about how I like someone over him. Yep. Um, I just think volatility right here, it's either a win um, is on the board for Scotty Scheffler for his last performance, 11K. Max Homa, 9,700. Cam Young, 8,300. Eric Cole, 7,400. Cam Davis, 7,100. And I did go Akshay, Akshay Bhatia. 6,100. Um, like I talked about, there's a couple of guys that I wanted to avoid. Um, it just kind of worked out where I picked a lot of popular people. It's a shame. It happens. Uh, for my DraftKings, this is going to be a really interesting DraftKings lineup for me. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm going to have to keep an eye on everybody. I'm starting with Scotty Scheffler at 11,000. Uh, my second name is Xander Shoffley at 10,000. Uh, my third name is Colin Morikawa at 9,100. My fourth name is Eric Cole at 7,400. And then my fifth and sixth guys are Akshay Bhatia and Luke List at 6,200 apiece. It's it, it's going to be a fun week. I need one of these guys on the bottom to kind of pop off. But I think I got three, potentially four winners options there. I, I think Scotty, Xander, and Colin are all like three of the top four or five guys in terms of betting odds to win. So Place for points will not be a problem. Yeah, or yeah, should yeah. Not be a problem. Let me yeah, practice. shouldn't be a problem. As long as Luke List and Akshay don't finish like 59th and 58th, respectfully, I feel pretty good about that lineup in terms of where where I should end up. But don't get me wrong. There's a uh, it's a little top top heavy, a little top heavy. Yeah, and then um, Fanduel for me, Scotty Scheffler, 12,400. I did go Patrick Cantlay, 11,400. Max Homa, 11,300. Sahith at 9K flat. Cam Davis, 8,700. And then I did go Nick Hardy, 7K. I think that putter could come out, and I could see him. I'm not saying top 20, but top 30. That's a reasonable expectation. 
Gotcha. There we go. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, you and I both got Scotty, you know, in both our lineups. Interesting. Even we, though we talked about how he was not. Yeah, we talked about he's not the guy. Though we got him in both. It's so interesting. Um, I'm looking. I think my my numbers might be off for Fanduel pricing, so I apologize if I say the wrong numbers here. Um, I have Scotty Scheffler. I have him at twelve thousand. Um, I have Colin Morikawa at eleven thousand eight hundred. I have Xander Shoffley at eleven thousand six hundred. I have Justin Rose at eighty seven hundred. I have Akshay Bhatia at 7,800, and I have Tom Hoagie at 7,700. I wonder if, because I, I don't know when Rory withdrew, I don't know if you put it in before, it may have changed the pricing, but I don't think they would have done that because you can't just kick someone out of a a listing. I don't know. I'm not smart I'm, enough. I'm going to look and double check, make sure I'm I'm not giving people the wrong, uh, wrong price points. Yeah, well, while you look that up, um, I'll go ahead. Um, I have five bets this week. Um, so pretty traditional. Um, I know I said at the course of last year, I want to do more bets and more volume and more this and that. Um, I took five bets, start the year. I want to get some positives. So first and foremost, I have two bets on Max Homa. The safe bet is a placement bet of Max Homa to finish top or tied for 15th or better at minus 120. Um, and then I have Max Homa at top 10 or better at plus 130. So I doubled down on Max Homa. I got a two-unit play for him. If he finished top 10, I'm just raking in money. And I think Thank he has an opportunity here. Um, second, Tom Kim, top 20 at 135, was Dodd's second fine I imagine over the course of the week that will drop heavily um, once players start to figure out, you know, you don't necessarily need to hit a driver here. Wait, I missed that. What did you have Tom Kim at? Top 20, minus 135. Whoa, okay. I know. Most books have him at about minus 145 right now. I snuck him in an Iowa one at minus 135. Yep. Locked that one in. There you go. Um, I have Cam Davis top 20 at plus 150. I know that's a stretch. With a limited field, top 20 was the best freaking odds I could find. Um, if it was top 30, I'd lock that in with my life savings. Um, I really think he has a chance to break that here and get 1.5 units. And then the last one, which talk about a spark plug. Um, Cam Young to beat Sam Burns is Ooh. minus 110. We're talking about two guys that could finish first and two guys that can finish last. I just think the boxes check a little bit better for Cam Young than Sam Burns. I, I think Sam Burns has minimal upside here. So I think that even if Cam Young doesn't play well, it's going to be Cam Young 58th, Sam Burns 59th. <laughs> no, 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 all the way around, preferably. Wait, don't you have Cam Young over Burns? Yeah, you said 58 for uh, Cammy and 57 for uh, Burnsy. Oh, I thought I said 59 for uh, for Burns. Whatever. I, the point whatever. the point being is I think that even on on um, Sam Burns' best day, he still pr- finishes on the bottom half of the leaderboard, and I think that Cam Young is more upset than that. So, all right. Uh, for my bets, I'm still sticking with three. Um, I again, I did that a lot of fall swing. It's been working pretty well, pretty well for me, all things considered. Um, they're all pluses, which is a little terrifying, but I felt really good about two of them. Um, first one is Eric Cole, top 20 at plus 140. Um, again, this is one of those where I think that this is way different than where he's at in terms of price points. And there, there, something's off here. Somebody's way off. And I think it's the, it's the sports books. So I'm going to hammer this. Uh, my second one is Colin Morikawa, top 10 at plus 125. Again, I said he's never finished worse than seventh. I'll take the plus money and give me three extra spots. Appreciate it. Um, and the third one is Xander Shoffley, top 10 at plus 140. Again, it's another guy who's pretty much always played solid to well here. Um, as long as he doesn't have any injuries come up here in the next 72 hours like he did last year, then uh, I feel pretty good about that top 10 at plus 140. I like it. I think the Xander and Colin are my two favorites. Yep. I think Cole will be the most sweaty of them all, just because, as we know, with those big players, if they're bad weeks, are like 18th at some phases. So I think Cole, obviously the fields he was dominating were a little bit lesser than what we're playing in now, but third in a weaker field is like 19th at a strong field. So that still wins. My, my thought is that because he has so much form coming into this tournament compared to everybody else, that he might come out of the gates a little hotter. Um, and that'll hopefully kind of just keep him towards the top third of the leaderboard. I like it. All right. We're going winners or wild pick. Let's do a little bit of a wild card. I'm feeling dangerous to start the new year. All right. I got two. I couldn't get to one. Oh, all right. I only have one. So that's fine. I have 
Patrick Cantlay, bogey free round one. He's in bogey avoidance on the tour. Um, he looks tremendous. I think that the rest, all you got to do is get 18 holes without a bogey. This is not a course that bogeys come into play a ton unless you really make a wild mistake, and Cantlay is not known for making those. And then I have Xander Shoffley, bogey free round one, also at plus 320. I'm putting half a unit on each. I oh, I almost took Xander to go bogey free round one. I was I was like, do I go Xander or Morikawa for for bogey free round one? And I uh, unfortunately did not have the balls to do it. Uh, Jack threw it in as a wild pick. Uh, for my wild pick again, this is going to be a little bit of an interesting one because there's only three of them on the course. Uh, there's also only 59 guys. Give me anyone to make a hole in one plus 500. So it's it's higher odds again because there's only three par threes. There's also only 59 guys that'll that'll play it. But again, this is the kind of tournament where I I feel like somebody's going to come out and make that hole in one nice and early, and I'll just hang back in the rest of the weekend. So that's my wild pick. I like it. And then I'll jump right into my winners. Um, for those of you who are new viewers, I'll just recap it every single time because we continue to improve. Yep. We play PGA Tour fantasy style rules, so we're not like everybody else you see on Twitter taking the five best names in terms of odds and then two flyers. We go, we want to make sure we use guys very minimally. So I do a traditional three ball, which means I can use a guy three times throughout the year. Liam tries to do one outside of majors and any dinky events. Yeah. So my two guys this week, I went Hideki Matsuyama plus 4,500 for the win. I think that on the terms of Hawaii, he's pretty much dominated and it's kind of relative to a Japanese style course, which I know if the Zozo wasn't his best. And then I have Camo, Cam Davis at 7,500. Um, I think he has volatility and opportunity to get on the front page of the leaderboard. And you never know. You can always sneak out a win here. But if you're asking me, I think it's probably going to be one of those top seven guys on odds that are probably winning. Yeah, if I if I had the choice to pick any winners this week, I probably would have taken – I think Xander and Cantlay probably would have been my two my first two choices. Um, eh, maybe two and three. I still like the guy I took as my, as my first winner. Uh, my winners are Colin Morikawa, who, again, I feel really good about. And then my other one is Tom Hoagie. Um, again, I think Tom Hoagie just fits really well for this course. You you might be able to use him at, at Pebble Beach, but there's only going to be a couple of events that he's really going to, quote, unquote, pop off in. Um, this is one of those events. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use him now. And then, again, because I can only use him once, I prefer to save some of the bigger guys for, for later. So, all right. That was uh, – that was the century. We got through it. I, uh, I've been battling, battling a little bit of a cold, so hopefully you guys haven't been hearing me cough too many times. Um, but I've been trying my best really to, to get through this one without coughing too much, thanks to the cough drops. So this week we got some little primetime golf because we're in Hawaii, Jack. It's going to be nice on Thursday and Friday. You get to come home from work. You get to watch a little golf in the evening. It's, it's going to be really peaceful. And we will see you guys next week, probably Tuesday morning in terms of when you'll see the episode. At the Sony Open. Yeah, and uh, one more thing. If you were looking for the five versus the field, not great. It's Hovland, Shoffley, Scheffler, Homa, and Auburg missing out on Colin Morikawa, which would have been a bigger flop for me than Auburg. So I might leave it. Yeah, I, I don't think Auburg, Auburg fits that. I don't know why they didn't put Colin in. I would I totally would have done that. Whatever. That's a, mis- that's a mistake on the uh, sports books. They're still learning. The season's early. But I will leave you guys there with that one. We will see you next week. Let's have a good one. I'm glad. Happy New Year. Peace. Peace.